Let's turn in our Bibles now to Ephesians chapter 2. Moving through this book of Ephesians, we've come this morning to probably three of the most important verses in the Bible in terms of us understanding this as it applies to our lives. Um, just a really critical passage here. It's sort of what the rest of the book ends up being about to a great degree. You know, Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So his statement is that the life that he came to give us was just radically different than anything that would be known as life up to that point. And last week, as we looked at the beginning of Ephesians chapter 2, we saw those statements that talked about the fact that people without Christ are basically walking dead people. And that's the way we were before he found us. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, but he has made you alive. Now, if it's true that there was this life that looks like death, and now there's life that's abundant, then we ought to be able to look at our lives and go, okay, that's what life's about. That's, what, that's how it's supposed to work. And we can look at our lives and tell whether it's working or not, partly based on whether there's this life and death contrast between the quality of life that we experience now and the life that we knew before we knew Jesus. Sad to say, for a lot of people, there isn't much difference. And people don't look at us and go, wow, that's what I call living. And a lot of it has to do with the idea of understanding work, works. Here in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10, it talks about the fact that salvation doesn't come by working for it. But by contrast, it also talks about the fact that there's a life that God has for us that involves and is expressed in works. It's kind of like, you know, when we talk about work, what do you think of? For many people, they, they work in order to live. You go find a job so that you can pay your bills, and that's all it ever amounts to. I'm just working to live. There are other people who live to work. They find something that's worth doing, and they like doing it, and it fulfills them, and they're excited when they get up in the morning to go do what they do. That's what we all hope we find. And when we talk to little kids and say, what do you want to be when you grow up? We're, we're hoping that built into that, there's something that they find that's so worth living for that they can work and it doesn't even feel like work because they feel that they're doing something meaningful. Now, you might look at that and go, well, the difference between working to live or living to work, some people get great jobs and other people get lousy jobs. And that's what defines that difference. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just working to live because I have a crummy job. But you can look in almost any job and watch how people approach what it is that they are spending their life doing. And there are some people, two, guys, two people could be doing the same job, and one of them is fulfilled and, and happy and enjoying it, and someone else is doing the same job and feeling miserable. 
And so figuring out those two is key to discovering what the Christian life is all about. Let's dive into these three verses. Paul says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now that word for work, that it says you're not rescued, saved by works, but God has made you designed for work, good work. The word, the Greek word is ergon. It's the word that we use in words like ergonomic. When we talk about something that works efficiently, it makes work facilitated, like they'll say an ergonomic chair or a desk, makes it easy to get your work done because it's designed to be worked with. And and so that word is here seen in a, in a negative way and in a positive way as well. But let's start with grace because that's the, the center really. And he says, your salvation. Now, salvation does not mean just that you're going to heaven because if so, he would say, when you're saved someday, then this is the case. Salvation is referring to the fact that we've been rescued. It already says, you know, for by grace you have been saved. The word saved means that you were, you were rescued. You were heading in a way that was, that was going nowhere. You were dead. And now God gave life to you and he rescued you. But he says that happens by grace. The word grace doesn't just mean God forgives you or takes away your sins. The word grace literally just means God's favor or his kindness. And it's talking about his motivation and what caused him to offer us that salvation, that great rescue program in his son, Jesus Christ. And that comes simply because of grace. Now, he says, you're saved by grace through faith. So God, because of his love for us, his favor for us, the, word, the Greek word for grace is charis. Going from Greek into French and then into English, we get the word caress from that. It's just the idea of an affection and a favor, and he likes you. And he wants to be close to you, and that's why it happens. But it says, you're saved by grace through faith. That faith is your response. It's your decision to receive his gift of grace. It's your belief in him and saying, I believe you. Now, it says that we're, by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. That, that the pronoun that, some people interpret this to be, oh, the faith. See, even the faith is a gift from God. So God even gives you that with which you respond to that which he's giving you already. But that's not correct linguistically. The pronoun that is, is in the neuter form. The, in the Greek, they have masculine, feminine, and neuter nouns, and you can identify what the pronoun is referring to. We just say that, but you can identify it by its gender. And the neuter uh, pronoun here 
can't be referring to grace or faith, which are both feminine nouns. So the that refers to the salvation, the whole package. So you have God's grace, you have our faith, it comes together, it's all a gift from God. The whole package, the whole production, it's a gift. It's free. And it's so important for us to understand that. God's grace, that's a gift. His rescue program, his salvation, that he just wanted to do for us for free. But that's a scary concept for a lot of people. And most religious people, whether Christians or any other religion, do not understand this. We almost always turn religion into us doing enough good to therefore merit some kind of standing before God. And so we come into a relationship with God and we say, but I need to be good. And if I'm good enough, God's going to be pleased with me. That's not what the Bible teaches. And also reality will teach you as well, you can't be good enough. You could never be good enough to be worth the life of God's son. I mean, that's, it's ridiculous to even try to pay for it. And so for us, Christianity is not like, be as good as you can be because then God's happy with you. It's not something that we earn. And it's important for us to understand that for a couple reasons. For one thing, if our burden is to be as good as we can be, and we have that hanging over our heads, knowing that we'll never be good enough, it sucks the life right out of life. You cannot have the abundant life that Jesus wants you to have if you're trying to earn it. If someone, it was Valentine's Day yesterday, and if someone who loves you wanted to give you a gift, the assumption behind that gift, if it's a gift, is this is something that I want to give you. As soon as you turn a gift into, okay, I gave you the flowers and the chocolate, now what's in it for me? What are you giving me? Well, now it's not a gift any longer. It's a contract. It's just a business deal. And it'll, it takes the joy and the excitement out of the whole process if that's the case. But many of us approach our relationship with God that way. We think that he goes, here you go. Now get to work. Now get busy and you earn this. You make it work. That will ruin your life. The glorious truth is God loves you completely and he has rescued you because you believed in him and because he favors you, he wants to caress you, he wants to be close to you. It's grace, it's a gift and there isn't anything that you can do that will make him love you more and there's nothing that you can do that will make him love you less. That should make us feel really secure and really blessed and really comfortable. But as soon as we start trying to earn it, it takes the joy out of it. But not only that, as soon as you start to earn it, now it becomes a deal. And now, as he says, not of works lest anyone should boast. If I'm close to God because of what I'm doing, then I'd brag about it. I could get up here and go, Yesterday, I had the most incredible day with the Lord. I prayed to him for hours. I was just 
He and I were communing. He spoke to me so many wonderful things. He, this message, he just unloaded it on me because I gave him the time to do it, and we drew close together, and I felt his love, and man, but you had to be there. And I, I'm sorry, but most of you will never feel God's love like I felt yesterday because, man, I really got in deep with the Now, don't you know people who that's their walk in a way? It's like they want to tell you how godly they are so that you can go, wow, you must really be special to God. <laughs> Yesterday, I just mowed the lawn and watched TV. <laughs> Didn't feel God at all. You, you were in deep fellowship with, ooh, you're special. You know what? If you just laid on the sofa yesterday and watched TV all day, God loves you just as much as he does the person who wore holes in their knees hours in prayer. For Now, I know it's hard for us to fathom because we don't usually love people that way, but God does. And we're afraid a lot of times to talk about grace because we're afraid it's going to turn us into really bad people. But it doesn't. If we try to pay God back for what he does for us, it's insulting because nothing we give him would ever be worth that. Imagine if someone gave you an incredible gift that you could never possibly pay for yourself. Let's say that you know, this is someone who's wealthy and they own several homes. And they have an extra house and you're homeless. And you don't have a place to live at all. For them, it's a house. They can't rent it out. It's going down in value. And they go, let me just sign it over to you. You can have my house. And I'll pay the property tax on it for the next 10 years and all the maintenance and everything. Just, I just want to give you a house. And you go, oh, no, I could never accept that. I, how could I ever, what do you want out of me? They're like, no, I don't want anything out of you. I just want to give you a house. It'd be nice if you had a place to live. And you go, I can't accept that, but tell you what. And you dig in your pocket and you go, well, I need that for McDonald's. And here, $4. I'll give you $4. The guy who's giving you the house would go, what? That's a slap in the face. I want to give it to you, and you're saying you're going to buy it for a few dollars? Do you understand what this house is worth? <clears throat> That's the same way it is when we act like, God, I'm going to pay you back. Believe me, you sent your son to die for me, and I'm going to make it worth your while. How? What in the world could we ever do to make it worth his while? We're just insulting him. But the other thing is, it will wear you out. It'll suck the life out of you to try to pay back something that you can't possibly pay back. It's like the, the guy in the parable who owed $17 million to his boss when you only made about 10 bucks a day, and he goes, if you're just patient, I'll pay you back everything. That's the way a lot of people live their lives, trying to, on $10 a day, pay back a $17 million debt when God's going... You don't have to do that. And so Paul here is going, you got to understand, life is not going to work if you think your works are going to earn you life. 
It just doesn't work that way. You'll be frustrated and you'll be sinking deeper and deeper into debt every day. Understand this is a gift that God is giving you. It's free. Now again, when you talk about grace, then you start going, but wait a minute. If it's free, you mean, so today if I'm acting a disgusting way, God's gonna love me just as much and I'm still saved? Yeah. Great. Then I'm gonna go do that. <laughs> you know, real grace, when you understand it, doesn't, doesn't make you do that. It, it causes you to just receive and to graciously appreciate what God has done for you. And that's how you know you really accepted the gift. If your special loved one yesterday gave you a box of chocolates in a, in a fancy red heart box, and you go, this is just a gift, really? Yeah, yeah, it's just a gift. I love you, and I want to tell you how much I love you. And so here, take your chocolates and eat them. I'm not even going to eat any. You can eat them all. <laughs> now, does that make you think, so you're giving me this gift unconditionally? So right now, if I just spit in your face, I can still keep the chocolates? That's not how we think. You don't go, so they're mine to do anything I want with, so right now I could just throw them on the ground and stomp on them and smash them, and that's okay? Yeah, it's your chocolates. I mean, that's what you want to do with them, but why would anyone in their right mind do that with a gift? But at the same time, Part of what makes us want to earn salvation is that God has created us with a desire to work. We are made and, and we have a desire to be productive, to do something with our lives. And so we channel that often into, let me please God by what I do. And so we think, you know, today I'm going to make God really happy that Jesus died for me. And so you're going on the freeway driving 55. You're just going, oh, this is so hard. Cars are backing up behind you, honking at you, racing around. You're going, no, I got to please God. 55, that's it. And somebody says, you know what? If you just go ahead and drive 80, God will still love you just as much. Really? Yeah, you're, you don't earn that which God gives you as a gift. However, at the same time, none of us really wants to just do nothing. To do nothing is to be like those people before we were Christians, dead. I don't want to be a dead person. I want something good to happen. But again, it's why I do what I'm doing often that either infuses life into my work or that causes my work to completely frustrate me and to completely leave me empty and flat. And again, two different people doing the same job, one of them approaching it from the right attitude and, and feeling blessed to be able to serve you. And you know, you walk into any business that there is, and there are some people who just seem like they're really happy to serve you. There are other people doing the same job who act like you're a huge inconvenience to them, and they just wish you would go away. Now, we can live our lives that way. 
either way, depending on what we understand about work. If you're working to live, you're always going to resent it. If you're working just to survive, eventually that's just you're going to do the bare minimum and you're going to hate the reason why you have to be going to work every day. And that's the way salvation is if we think we need to earn it. And at its best, we boast. At its worst, we shrivel up and die. But look at what he says. For, here's his explanation, we are his workmanship. The word there in the Greek is poema. You might have heard that. It's the same word from which we get the word poem, poetry. It means something that is created and designed and developed by someone. It's a creative expression. And Paul says, you have to understand, we are God's expression. We are his work of art, if you will. He is writing a poem in us. He's using us to express something about him. If someone is a great painter... They can put something on canvas that expresses something that's within their hearts. If someone's a great writer, they can put words together in such a way that, again, it communicates your heart. Or you could just buy the card that already has the stuff written in it and sign your name and give it over to someone. Because most of us aren't that creative. But do you understand that you are God's object of creativity? You are someone that he is making and has been making to make a particular expression about who he is. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, this causes the first two verses, verses 8 and 9, to begin to make sense. Because he's saying, forget about paying for your salvation. You're rescued, it's free, it's a gift. Now, shut up and enjoy it. Stop trying to earn it. Stop trying to feel inferior, like you're not doing enough. It's enough. It's paid for, it's done, that's it. However, there is a purpose to your life. There is something that God wants to do in you. And when it works, you'll know it. When life works and it's just moving along and there's productivity and there's joy and fulfillment, you begin to discover, oh, this is what life abundantly really means. Now, some people are fortunate and they find their life calling early on. And they, they go, I figured out when I was 10 years old what I was born to do. Like Paul said, for this I was born and for this came I into the world. For a lot of other people, it takes them a long time to figure that out. Some people are more late bloomers than others. But the desire of our life should be to find that sweet spot, to find that place whereby we realize This is what God wants me to do. And when you're doing it for him, out of service to him, out of an opportunity to express who he is to others, it works. It works 
very well. And that's good works. It flows from you figuring out who you are. There are some people who just never decide what, they're, what they want to be when they grow up. Now, there are other people who do something to make a living, and they hate it. But then God does something to show them how that very thing that they've been doing to live is actually something that he wants to change your approach to it, and you find out, you know, there are ways I can do this job that would really express who God is. There are ways that I can be successful And by the way, and a lot of people have said this, and you'll hear motivational speakers say it all the time, if you really find something that you're passionate about, that when you do it, it doesn't feel like work, you could be very successful at it. Other people will line up to pay you to do that. Now, some people, it takes them a long time to even figure out that they they really do like what they're doing, but because they felt like they had to do it, they never really discovered the joy in it. But the key for that, for Christians, is to realize that, as he said in chapter 1, before the world was ever founded, God had an imaginary version of you that he was going to intend to bring about. In other words, God's plan for you existed before you existed. And here, Paul says, and what that plan was was a glorious expression of God himself from his very heart. That's what he wants to do in you and through you. And if you learn to play along with him, it'll be a great ride. It can be a wonderful life that God's given you, an abundant life. People can look at you and go, okay, I look like a dead person compared to you because you're alive. How does that happen? And we go, well, I finally figured out what God's plan for my life was, what his design was. How, and a lot of times we find this out a little at a time, and usually accidentally, something happens and it starts going well, and we go, whoa, did that feel right? For some people, it's when you first have a child. For other people, you have a child and you go, this ain't it. <laughs> this isn't working. <laughs> But ultimately, there's this master plan that God has, and you are his canvas, and he is painting on you something that demonstrates who he is. We are his poema. We are his workmanship. And as he says, created in Christ Jesus. It's his idea. It's his plan. We find out our connection with his plan when we find out our connection with him, when he rescues us and snatches us back from the dead and gives us life. And then we realize there are good things that God wants to do in my life and through my life. And those good works, it's not, sometimes we think of good works as being something that you have to do and you don't want to do. I mean, Good works are things that work. God wants us to do things because they're going to be good for us. He doesn't want us to be misused. We can spend our life doing something that's just completely nonsensical and and worthless. And it's like 
you know, there are jobs that you can do with a completely wrong tool, and it might work. But it won't work as well as if you use the right tool to do the right thing. And sometimes we find ourselves in a rut in our life where what we're doing just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like I'm connected to what what God wants me to do. And so the first thing we have to do is to recognize the gift of his grace. The fact that, okay, now, you don't have to do anything. God loves you. He favors you. He, he picked you, and he wants to do something glorious in your life. Now, we report for duty, and we go, God, I want to know what I was born to do. And I want to find Doors that you have opened whereby I can be in the groove, in the, in the zone of functioning as your work of art. And sometimes it means trying some different things. Sometimes it means doing what you're doing, but try some different approaches. Pray and ask God to kind of open some little different doors or different ways for you to see what you do. But ultimately, we have to figure out that God is painting a picture in our lives, and do you want to go along with that or not? And again, it's not doing it to please him. God's, God is not at all selfish. When he tells us to do things, it's never because he gets a kick out of seeing us obey him. It's never because he wants to break us. That's not it. What God tells us to do is always what's best for us, what's going to be the most fulfilling thing for us, what's going to be a blessing in our lives. Now, you learn to trust him, and some of the things he tells you to do, you really don't want to do, but if you do it, you'll figure out, this was what God wanted me to do. This, this was his plan all along. Now, there are people who try a bunch of different doors and nothing opens, and then they don't have the common sense to realize, okay, I have a door that's open to me. I wonder if this is really God's plan. I didn't think it was. I've tried to bail in every way possible from this door, and now it looks like, okay, this is what I do best. Don't apologize if what you do best turns out to be something that you don't think is that spiritual. Because God needs to paint his portraits everywhere. And so if what you're good at is a particular business that may seem to be nonsensical to you, maybe God wants to paint a picture there. Maybe you should stop fighting what he has obviously been doing in your life. God is at work. God is making a creative expression. Now, will you get up in the morning and go, God is giving me an opportunity today to represent him? to do what I have to do in the way that he would have me to do it. And I bet it's going to be great. Now, we all know there are days when things just don't go right. On Friday, we were doing some stuff at my house, and Steve Bailey and I, and nothing was going right. We we're trying to hang this TV up, and, and it was hard. And then in the middle of it, somebody comes in and says that my, flat, my tire was flat on my truck, and so... I'm like, oh, great. And so I go out and try to get the tire fixed, and nobody plugs tires anymore. They want to patch them. And, and yeah, it'll be a half an hour. Well, it turns into an hour and a half. And I'm just like, oh, man. In the meantime, Steve's back at my house working, and he hurts his back lifting the TV by himself. And, and it hit me towards the end of the day, 
Oh, this was Friday the 13th, wasn't it? <laughs> and now I have to go speak at a Valentine's banquet out in Walnut, and my wife's too sick to go, so I'm going stag to a Valentine's banquet. <laughs> and plus, you know, I had already thought the cool thing about I'm going to this Valentine's banquet to speak is now I don't have to think of anything to do for Anne for Valentine's Day. <laughs> well, now I do. And you just go, what a frustrating day. Some days are like that. There are other days when things just click and fall together. Sometimes the difference is being in that zone of his studio, letting him do through you what he wants to do. Now, I'm sure even when I'm in the middle of having a flat tire, if I'm thinking, well, you know, this will be a great sermon illustration someday or what, you know, then maybe I could appreciate it a little more. I was sitting in the tire store reading my Bible, and so it wasn't a complete waste of time, but, you know, sometimes you're just fighting against what's happening in your life. That's not the way it's supposed to work. Life is designed by God to be ergonomic, and his plan for your life and for mine is for things to flow and for beauty to evolve and to, to happen and for people to be able to see God's expression of himself in us. And that's when it's working. And that's when life is abundant. And that's when it's happening. And that's what God wants to do for each of us and in each of us. And so we start by going, okay, I don't have to work in order to please God. He's blessed me. He's delivered me. But I do have a choice of showing up in the studio every day and letting him chip away at this sculpture or letting him express through me and through my gifts and what I do well and what I enjoy doing to, for him to develop me a bit and to see me making some progress toward that which he wants me to do. And when I do that, I know I'm getting somewhere. When I do that, life is working. And that life works so much better when we understand the principle of the grace of God. When we understand how much he has done for us, the pressure's off, the burden's gone. I don't have to do anything that I do. I get to do things that will turn into being good things in my life, being good contributions toward the overall development of who I am and how I depict Jesus Christ and his love for me. And that's what life is when it's really clicking, when it's happening the way he wants it to happen. And so we were rescued from death by grace through our faith. And that's God's gift. Your life is a gift. Why does he not just save us, and then we go instantly to heaven. That would be so efficient. If the point to life was getting saved so you can go to heaven, what are we doing here? This isn't helping me get closer to heaven. No, but there's something that God wants to do in my life before he takes me to heaven. And I want to figure out what that is. I want to be able to look at my life and go, I see what God's doing. I want to be able to look in the mirror and go, there's life there. I want people to watch me do what I do and go, I feel dead compared to you. 
You just seem to appreciate life. You just seem to have a connection with some kind of a purpose that I don't get. But by grace through faith, it's a gift of God. It's not of works, but when we discover what he wants to do in our life, work happens, but it's not even like work at all. Because it's not have to work, it's get to work. It's a privilege of having another day of serving him and being with him and looking a little bit more like him and being connected in a, in a, in a very vital way to the life of Jesus Christ. And that's his plan for each of us. He doesn't plan for any of us to just waste our life. You can do it and he'll love you and you'll go to heaven. But why not approach every day and go, what are we going to paint today? How are you going to change me or use me today? How can I see what I get to do today as an opportunity to, for life to really work for me? And for people to see me and go, that's how it's supposed to work. That's his heart for us. That's what he wants to do in and through each of us. We are his creative expression. And what that means is he has a plan, and he's been planning it for a long time for you. And you can show up in the studio or you can not, but he's got a plan. I want to put myself there and go, let's get to it. Is there something meaningful we're going to do today? Something that will make a contribution that we can do today? And if there is, I don't want to miss it. You know, knowing that if I wanted to, like, for instance, if I just said, yeah, I'm not feeling good. I'm going to take a couple weeks off, and I'm just going to lay in my recliner chair and watch TV for a couple weeks. You know, there isn't anyone who would tell me, no, you can't do that. I have so much vacation time coming, it's ridiculous. And everyone would go, great, we've been praying that you would take a couple of weeks off. But when I come in... On a holiday, for instance, on Monday, I'm gonna, I have the privilege of doing a funeral service. I'm not going to go, I don't have to do this. Let somebody else bury him. No, I'm like, I want to be there. I want a chance to represent Jesus. But he's not going to love me more because I do that. But I am going to sense that fulfillment of doing what God has called you to do. And isn't that what we all want? I believe that we are created to work. But if you're working for the wrong reason, it'll wear you out. And if you're working for the right reason, it'll bless you. Life will be amazing and wonderful. And when people see you, they'll, they'll see him. Let's live in that zone of creative expression. Let's, let's ask God to show us, okay, what are you doing in me? What is it that you've chosen for me? How do you want to express yourself through me? In a way that when people see me, they'll see life instead of walking death. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for your word and the truth of what your plan is for us. We're so sorry for the way we insult you with legalism by acting like your plan is to put us to work in the 
in the in the pit in the gravel pit and just to do everything we have to do and be as good as we can be and it'll never be enough but we owe you god we as christians have been so guilty of making christianity look like some stupid boring burdensome set of rules and we have been guilty, all of us, of being enslaved to doing things because somehow we think we have to. But your grace, the gift of your salvation, is, is something that sets us free. But Lord, it's also something that allows us to realize that you have a plan. And your plan is awesome. So God, help us to live in that zone. Help us to find that sweet spot of, of serving you because we love to. Because we're so happy what you want to do with our lives. Because we're blessed every day when you give us one more day to be your children and to share your love with others. God, please make our life work like that not that cheesy burdensome alternative of a fake legalistic religion and God we just thank you that you could look at us and see a potential masterpiece wow how creative you are and we thank you in Jesus name amen let's all